Welcome to episode 25 of Skewed Perspective. It's your host, Caesar, And me, Omar. Um, real quick, before we get into the actual show, Lakers got eliminated. <sighs> I know, man, I know. But then that's, I mean, <sighs> we knew that was one of the drawbacks, like going into the Anthony Davis experiment, right? Like trading your whole core away for the superstar, you're like, you need... You're gonna need that superstar to win. You know what? I, I think it was though. I obviously injuries. I think yeah. it was a huge thing. No, yeah, like they only had th- like thirteen or fourteen games uh, before the postseason, or as it was going, mm-hmm. like of of all their starters playing together. And but even like even that, like just if we had Anthony Davis in there, I would have still been comfortable. And he was doing Anthony Davis like things. I'm comfortable saying Lakers and set. I'm comfortable saying the Lakers could take on the Nets if that was going on, like. But obviously, you know, if he's hurt, then we're not going to have a chance at it. Yeah, the beautiful thing, I think, about last year, or uh, one of the few things that made it awesome was the chemistry. You know, mm-hmm. the chemistry was there. Yeah. You had all the pieces mixing correctly. You know, you had Gerondo in there, Yeah. you know, keeping the the second unit. And even when he had to come in, you know, steady. Yeah. Um, and we lost some pieces, and I, I just don't think we had the right the, pieces. You know what, dude? I would take. I was telling some of the guys too at work this. I would take Dwight and Javale over Mark and Andre Drummond. Yeah, me too. But they I just think, they fit the system better. Yeah, the, the the roles were perfect. Yeah. But I also think we didn't have enough time for them to mix in correctly because mm-hmm. we I, like I think we could have mixed like more of those pieces in. But we just needed more time with all the players in there, and then yeah. figuring those units out to mix correctly. Yeah, because that's true. Because that's what Vogel like. He likes mixing up the lineup, seeing kind of what works mm-hmm. or how it works. And you know, yeah, that's true. He didn't really get to see a lot of that in game time this time around. Yeah. So D book fucking just shed all over the Lakers, and you know, we got eliminated. Whatever. We didn't deserve to win those games. Like you could, and you could see it after. I I could see it after what was it game three mm-hmm. i was like oh this is not looking good yeah this doesn't look like how we, we 30 look like. points down regularly i'm like yeah and i mean like good. i'm at least grateful that they didn't just totally roll over i'm like they still made me believe i'm like oh all right we're down to 10 we're looking good we got it so i mean at least they gave me something to hope for in the last game but i mean also lebron that's just like you can't go down by 30 in the west and expect mm-hmm. maybe you could do that in the first round in the east you can't do that in the first round in the west yeah, and I think at this point, like even though yeah, ageless goat, like you can't ask him to shoulder that yeah, much, yeah, that consistently. No, and that's what I'm saying. Like you can't, he can't do that in the West. The West is too good, especially mm-hmm. the first round. Like in the East, maybe, maybe he could have pulled that off against like the Magic or whoever. Who's they seed in the East? Uh, uh, they're gone. The Wizards, I think. Like oh uh, yeah, it yeah. was the Wizards. Like you can't, you can't do that in the West. Because no. it's just more stacked. But well, also, we were the seventh seed, you know? Yeah. It's like it's not like we were on the yeah, winner's bracket. We were of... like a fake seven. We were seventh seed because of injuries. Yeah, but but still, I do think, yeah. it, like, the number two seed still, like, yeah, well, the no, number Phoenix two for a reason. Still, yeah, yeah. So I would have much rather been, like, three or four and then, obviously, you know, or something higher to get a weaker yeah. team, theoretically, even though I do think we weren't, we like, should... a true seventh seed. Yeah. Could we have beat the Nuggets without Murray? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I get yeah. Again, if AD's injured, then Jokic. Is uh, I don't know. Jokic is amazing. Yeah, Jokic no, he is. is he is. I mean, if Anthony Davis was healthy, if everybody had been healthy, I'll say what I'm gonna say, and everyone that's not a Laker fan is gonna say, ah, fuck you. But I don't care. No, I think we had enough big men to foul out. 
We had enough big men to fail though. Yeah, and just, and, just and throw at him. Yeah. yeah, and like I think they could have stayed with him more, maybe like not affected him like still, but like like uh, I was watching the Portland series and you could just like fuck all they got is Nurkic. They yeah. only have Nurkic yeah. for the Joker and it's not enough. Yeah, He's I gonna... know. Yeah, for real. But and you even saw it too. Like he was just if Jokic is in, I'm in. If Jokic is out, I'm out. Mm-hmm. It's like that. I mean, and that's what. Um, I think a lot of that is what the modern NBA is because there's no, like, it's a lot smaller games, a lot faster games. So when you have a big man in there that can do what Jokic does, mm-hmm. that really disrupts a lot of things for Yeah, and the playoffs teams. are always matchups. Yeah. Playoffs are always It needs to, it matchups. becomes a more tactical game. It becomes a slower Slows game. Slows down, yeah. Always. Yeah, that's why I enjoy it. But um, mm-hmm. right now, I'm, I'm rooting for the Bucks or Utah. I don't know that the Bucks are going to take out the Sixers, but I like Yanis, and it'd be nice to see him get a ring. Yeah. But, um... I mean, I'm kind of a part of me is like they're they pick another team because they're not going to get it. Uh, I really like Utah. I really like Utah. I wish I don't know. I mean, I think they're going to play pretty soon or are uh, the Mavs and the Clippers. Mm-hmm. If the Mavs take it, then I want Luka to to reach the finals. It's very unlikely. Very unlikely, even if they get out of this round. Yeah, but and that'd be interesting. They'd get eaten up by the Nets, but Luca would be fun to watch. Oh, yeah, that's all, yeah. all I would want to. I was like, I just want to watch Luca ball out there. <laughs> Otherwise, I think the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets. Uh, I don't think they can do. I don't think they can do it without Murray. I don't know. They were playing really good. They were. They were. But they were. I mean, like Portland, they've been knocked out of four of the last six first rounds. Yeah, speaking of Portland, Dame's coming to the Lakers, right? <sighs> I, don't, I mean, Dave's going to the fucking Lakers. Everybody would hate us so much more, and it'd be great. I don't give a shit. He's, I don't, I don't see how we can make it work. Watch this uh, time next year. I mean, that's what we. Oh no, because we had peace. We've always had pieces. Now we just have a bunch of. Well, actually, we have. No, yeah, we just have a bunch of one years. We have eight people becoming free agents. Yeah. Okay, so I guess, I guess maybe we can make it work after signings, and then reassess who we have to make trades there yeah just take just give them all our picks and uh take up the contract and yeah don't we already have all our picks we don't have anything up? we don't have anything man that's and what then, i'm saying and then kuzma's value is at the floor right now who's like who's becoming a free agent this year i don't know everybody except for uh kuzma lebron or no nb league league-wide oh like, shit i don't know that's nah, i'll look it up all right so i can keep talking yeah so i mean basically you know i mean yeah we're gonna have we're gonna have cap space to spend so maybe we can get a couple of big stars in there. I mean, yeah, because that's just, for me, that's pretty much what we're going to have to bank on for being as relevant next year. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. Kawhi, Chris Paul. De- DeMar will be interesting. DeMar. Lowry. Conley Jr. Oh, Mike Conley, yeah. Uh, would we? Well, I mean, we'd have, it, I, I want to build for the future, though, and these, these mm-hmm. are like the older stars. Uh, but, so, but, I mean, I guess, yeah, you build for the future through draft picks anyway. THT would be, THT can be a really good piece. Yeah, I think he would be valuable in a trade. Yeah, I would want to keep him. I would want. Like, that's keep why him. I want to keep. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know if we we have enough to give up without yeah. giving him up as well. But if yeah, if we're playing the reload game, which the Lakers tend to favor, Lonzo restricted. Back? I would be. I would. I would love to have Lonzo back. I would to too. be totally honest with you. A point guard, a solid point guard, yes. uh, like a solid defensive point guard, so uh-huh. he's gonna fit with Vogel's system. Like if we get rid of Shooter, like I feel like maybe he didn't have the fairest chance given everything that yeah. happened during the season and COVID and stuff. Yeah, but I feel like Lonzo's got Lonzo at least kid, enough, yeah. at least enough defensive pr- prowess and like a enough developing of assist, offensive yeah. game. Yeah. yeah, and assists. Yeah, 
So, I mean, maybe that helps Kuzma again get into his scoring rhythm, someone to be able to set him up. Because maybe, I mean, that, that could be, like, now that I'm thinking about it, like, right, Kuzma wasn't playing how he was when, you know, we were, when he was putting up 30. But he also didn't have that you that that other ball handling around him um, when he was doing that. So maybe Kuzma can't is the kind of scorer who can't create his own shot. I don't know. I think LeBron's just a good at ball handlers, Lonzo. You know, that's who our point guard has been basically for some. Yeah, no, actually, okay, yeah, that's true. But I, I think, because I think he was scoring that many points because there were more shots available. Yeah. Now you got LeBron and AD. There, I mean, AD and LeBron, that's that's yeah. the pecking order I think yeah. it should be yeah. for the number of shots being taken. Mm-hmm. That's that's a, Those are our bread and butter. And then everyone after that. It's like, like it's, he, it's a rotating third chair kind of thing. Exactly, but it, you would think him being on the second unit or whatever, um, that he would be able to come in and just put up numbers, you know, as part of that that second squad. Yeah. Coming in with, but I guess they don't have a ball handler to create shots. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you got Caruso out there. Yeah, but they're not point. like they're not. They don't have like the assist mindset. Creative guy. No, yeah. Rondo was a second unit distributor. Yeah. He's amazing yeah. second unit distributor. But even then, Kuzma was still rocky. Yeah. We were we were saying these same things last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Schroeder, Schroeder, you doing bring Schroeder back? I wouldn't hate having him back. I wouldn't hate having him back, but I'd hate if he was our best guard. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I would. I, I don't. He just think, didn't come through yeah. the way I thought he would in yeah. a lot of times. I love his pace and like how smooth he is and like the yeah. effort he brings. Like especially like when he drives, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's fun watching him play. It is sometimes. Other times it's frustrating. I'm like nothing's going in. What the hell? Yeah, nothing. I'm like this three is a foot off. What yeah. happened? Yeah. So I don't know. Like. Yeah, it's 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 difficult. Maybe, maybe because the season is so fresh. Ooh, Ooh Jared Allen. Ooh, go ahead and get rid yeah. of it. all, get rid of our, all our big men except AD. Maybe <sighs> I mean maybe we can keep. I'd keep Mark if I had to pick. I would Mark keep Mark. Yeah, if we can get Jared Allen, I keep Mark. Goodbye, Drummond. You know, thanks for trying out. Yeah. Didn't work. Jared <laughs> Allen, get him in here. We yeah. got room. Oh dang! If we could get Jared Allen and Lonzo. Focus on that on the off season. I like Spencer Dinwiddie. I like too. Spencer Dinwiddie. I think I still pick Lonzo, but oh, yeah, for sure. Like if if we a, don't get Lonzo, then yeah, he'd be a, a score I think for the second unit. That's what I would see his role as. Because mm-hmm. who's a, KCP's our starter? Norman Powell. Not too bad. I think they're gonna. He's gonna ask for too much, though. I don't think we'd be able. And to. I feel like he fucked up too much watching him play. Like <laughs> especially recently, Dame was doing everything. Dude, the Portland Trailblazers sabotaged Dame in that OT. Oh my god! Yeah, they did. Did you watch that game? Yes. Okay. I was like, I fucking gave up on the Laker game. I was like, fuck this. Oh yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, and I went day, to the yeah. bla- and I like uh. It was, it was a fun game, but I was just like, what are you game. guys? Why are you guys doing this to Damian? Dude, twice he's like, I'll fucking take you guys. Yeah. Twice, boom, overtime, boom, double overtime. Here we go. And then he's just, just like, what? Do, what do I gotta do? They yeah. made like one shot combined. His yeah, teammates I, did. I think it was like one for nineteen in the overtime. And then Dame was like... Dame was hitting from everywhere. Yeah. You saw the fucking video of Austin Rivers? <laughs> Where he just turns around. Thank God. Yeah. Glad that he fucking missed the shot. Because he was making everything from three. <laughs> I was watching that game like doing laundry. And then I had the phone going. I'm yeah. like, what is happening? It was Everything was going in. Everything. Just to push it to overtime and to that, overtime to lose. That's exactly how I felt the first quarter of game six with the Lakers and the Suns. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Booker is six for six yeah. in the first <laughs> from three? Booker's just straight. Like, Booker just fucking almost, you know, put Anthony Davis in a wheelchair. And then 
just shot, right? shot, shot, shot. He's so like, it was I was like, legendary, Kobe. That was that was absolutely legendary. And I think that big first quarter is why that pretty much we got iced from there because we went down by so big that we just that was a whole week. I mean, we were we were, did a good job of like kind of getting back to our style of play, our game, and cutting the lead. Mm-hmm. But it was just too big. It was thirty. We points. had to be perfect and yeah. more. Yeah, I was. To, to and back. we just we dug ourselves too big of a hole, and a lot of it has to do with that just that electrifying first quarter. Yeah. And AD was hurt. There's yeah. No, no yeah. AD, no chance. Yeah. I mean, no may, yeah. Like, maybe we re And I think maybe, too, I like the point that um, I forgot which of the announcers kind of brought it up. Um, but, like, I actually I think it was Kenny on the uh, the pregame show. He was talking about, you know, AD saying he's going to play. That affects how you prepare. You know, you set your game plan up. Mm-hmm. And if AD is going to be a big part of that game plan, and then he goes out there and does that. Then it's like, well, you're gonna have to retool on the fly yeah. when you could have spent that whole day strategizing without for a game AD. without him. Yeah, it's true. And also, I feel like it does feel like sometimes the NBA to push the storyline will be like, hey, you know, because yeah. he should not have been out there. Yeah. You, you, yeah. Once you see him, you're like, that he can't move efficiently or, yeah. or as as optimally as he would like to. Mm-hmm. It was. I'm like, like yeah, sure, prove that you're gutsy and you're there for the team, but. Not if you know. Yeah. Like it. It was not good. Yeah. Like he should have. He should have been on the bench. All around. Yeah. I was in pain. Not in you. Uh, yeah. It was just not. You could tell from like the there's, tip. Yeah. There's like playing through something, and then there's just like playing hurt. Yeah. Like, or playing injured. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, and from everything you hear as well from like, just analysts or ex players, yeah. groin is not a fucking four yeah. day turnaround. Yeah. Generally, you know, but. It is what it is. Lakers are bounced. Yeah. We got our championship last year. You, you know, you can't be upset. Yeah. Or well, I mean, you can be upset, but we also just, you know, won last it, year. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it, it's it's fun seeing these new stars. I mean, that's kind of the part of the reason I was kind of happy Memphis bounced Golden State. Mm. So it's like, well, you know, you know, we know Golden State. Yeah. We know what they're going to do. They're probably going to make it really fun to watch. But at the end of the day, it's something we know and they're going to get bounced anyway. And we know they'll be back next year. Yeah. So it's like, well, it was nice to see Ja. Ja had some really good playoff moments that, you know, he got to have under his belt. He gets a little bit of that experience, and that's just going to help him down it's the It's nice line. to scope out free agents for the Lakers eventually, <laughs> you know? that's what that, I'm like, all right, Ja, ooh, maybe Jaron, you know? <laughs> Either one of them, I'm like, go ahead and grab him. Mm, right. <laughs> yeah, hey, Memphis has been a big trade partner that's and a true. good one in the past. That's true. Yep. For, I mean, good for Shout the out Lakers. Memphis. Yeah, good for the Lakers. <laughs> I'm sure Memphis hates yeah, it. Memphis is just there for you know us to go ahead and cherry pick or whatever. You know who, uh, if we ever get Giannis, then the Bucks will be like the same thing. Getting Kareem Abdul-Jabbar from them way back when. Mm. <laughs> getting getting Giannis, that'd be funny. That we'll would. See. He seems like, yeah, because you know, all these guys are loyal until they're not. Right, yeah. And I mean, like, yeah, that's that's the storyline on Dame right now. Even his IG post, and he's right? got all the right to be upset. Yeah, like at, how long? How long can he be committed? Yeah, how long has he been like? He gets overlooked because he he doesn't mm-hmm. have enough pieces. Yeah. you know, like he's the guy. Like you, like ever since those clutch ass shots he's hit like five like years years yeah. ago already. Not more than five years ago, I probably. I remember that yeah. huge shot over like Houston to win and mm-hmm. uh, and eliminate uh, yeah. James Harden. Amazing. Right amazing and he's had so many of those shots and it's like two and it's like yeah like nowitzki was a one-team guy kobe was a one-team guy Mm -hmm. but daily's got rings so it's easier to be like well i'm okay keeping my career here because you know i got mine now it's Mm -hmm. about like you know the fans and the organization yeah is the organization built around yeah portland hasn't done that for dame Mm -mm. 
No, so, I, I mean, mean he's had good pieces and good players. But they've. Never, but look at the fucking NBA now. Yeah. You gotta have a super team. Yeah, or like I mean, I would I wouldn't say Utah is a super team, and I think Utah is like a, you just you have to have that organization that is that efficient, or yeah, you need to piece together a super team. And I feel like Portland's they've been a, a mainstay in the NBA for a while. They should be able to build like a culture that is conducive to a championship. Mm-hmm. But they obviously have. They're shown just like that, second round fodder. Yeah. You know, they're, like, they're just a fun. They're just a good fun team to watch because they have Damien. If yeah. they didn't have Damien, I'd be like, they, mm. they wouldn't be making the playoffs in the West without Damien. Absolutely not. Yeah. So I, I yeah, we'll we'll watch. poach Damien hopefully, and <laughs> you know come back super strong. Right. Yeah. Our our uh, once AD and LeBron are gone, we'll have Damien and Jens. and AD. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, so, We still got we still got like at least five years with AD. Yeah, you know? that's actually the exact number I gave my brother yesterday when we were talking about it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, it it is a little annoying though. Like I and I I've kind of come around on this argument when people are like, the NBA is like all these just collections of stars, you know, mm-hmm. like finding uh, a team and playing together. And it is kind of annoying that it is that because mm-hmm. it it doesn't make for much parity. Yeah. You know, it makes for like super crazy like matchups and like games that you want to watch. But I think I do think something has to be done to kind of temper those things yeah Yeah. i mean you got harden Kyrie, and kd and blake griffin and all these other i'm like "Ah, yeah some it feels off you know like and maybe i i don't know if it's unfair coming from the lakers position you know (laughs) but it you know if you want to see if you want to be excited about a fucking denver utah matchup you know you have to be like a basketball nerd yeah to want to see that yeah yeah exactly or or like even it up a little bit so that those teams also have, you know, mm-hmm. the, the power uh, to to compete with these collections of yeah. super teams. But, I mean, even, like, like they picked Brooklyn. Like, Brooklyn was mm-hmm. never anything. But that's 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 kudos to the front office. Yeah. I think a lot of it is, yeah. like, front office and what they can do. Yeah. Because if they can— Because, uh, I mean, it's not like Brooklyn's a small market either, though. No, so, I mean, no. It's a reason, prime market. Yeah. It's a yeah. prime market. That's, and that's probably—that plays into it, like— but you're not going to really be able to see like Charlotte do that. No, or like like oh even OKC. Yeah, like they should have won a championship. That I think Two, that's maybe. a failing of the front office that that team didn't win a championship. They had what, three, four MVPs. Mm-hmm. But also then you know I feel like they should probably they could have kept I don't know I don't know what happened there. Yeah, they just, it might have been a chemistry thing too. I mean I don't know. Two of them are back on the same team. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So they, I mean, and then Westbrook does have the reputation that he has now. Yeah, he's amazing though. He's he's fun to watch, but like, why, why, his storyline is like all the individual accolades, right? Not necessarily for the team. I don't know if that's fair. I don't think that's fair. No, I mean, I think every triple doubles. Yeah. You're not a selfish player. Fair, fair. <laughs> you're you're dishing the ball, yeah. you know, pretty often. <laughs> Yeah, he's a. I think he's just a great all-around player, and, and he, oh, always, he is. He just impacts the game however he can, which is a lot of ways. Yeah, he's cool. But um, watch yeah. this. Watch this transition right here. So these guys have been obviously just balling out of this world. Yeah, <laughs> and speaking of out of this world, <laughs> there we go. They found some out of this world plutonium on the ocean floor, dog. <laughs> and there's that's how we get into the show. <sighs> Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. I probably ruined it with all the uh, <laughs> the references directly to it. No, but it was uh, <laughs> beautiful. Everybody got it. Right to <laughs> to get into the nitty gritty. Um, but yeah, our, so our first science story. Um, you sent me this. This yeah. was uh, this is from NPR, but I saw it on a couple sites. Um, firstly made 
plutonium from outer space found on ocean floor is what the headline reads yeah and so then the reason that would be relevant um is because obviously like these super rare heavy metals being found i think uh they were discovered by like uh, japanese oil rig or just some japanese oil exploration projects they Mm -hmm. um they they obviously they dug up some stuff and in that stuff they dug up they found these plutonium atoms uh, that were a lot younger than we would have otherwise thought. And that's interesting because pretty much how everything um, that exists basically comes from stars in space. Mm-hmm. All the hydrogen, all the helium in the universe created in the Big Bang. All the heavier stuff up to iron is made inside stars like our sun, right? Inside of the core of the sun, we're having all these molecules mash up into super hot, um, uh, super hot interactions. And then when all those things kind of meld together, that's when you get your heavier elements like your oxygen, your carbon, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um, but all the heavier stuff like gold, plutonium, per se, that we found in the bottom of the ocean, those are going to be made in stellar explosions called supernova or when like stars kind of smash together, right? Just all that force is basically um, – what is what are like those uh, – like a furnace – kind of things that i'm thinking like a kiln like where you yeah where you fire things up a furnace yeah, yeah. Okay. so so then it's the massive amount of energy that's being put into the yeah it's able to forge these like neutrons and protons together and create these new stable elements or even unstable elements like plutonium they're unstable because obviously they decay over millions of years but mm-hmm. like obviously millions of years is so long time so long enough for us to find them that's right yeah so um anyway so this all that material we know comes from these explosions. And we pretty much thought we like knew what stellar explosion got all of these heavy molecules on Earth. This plutonium that was found, uh, you can like date it by radioactive decay. It's a lot younger than we thought, which suggests that there was a second supernova explosion or some type of stellar explosion in our galactic neighborhood that we previously did not know about. So that's, uh, that's really exciting stuff. So you think uh, what, whenever that explosion was, would that have been, like, as the Earth was already formed? Probably, like, dinosaurs. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, well, because, I mean, I don't I don't recall the exact dates on when this, but it was, like, I mean, it's, it's in the case of the millions. Uh-huh. I know um, Earth is a couple billion years old. The, Earth, the universe itself, 13.7 billion. Mm-hmm. So I think I've, I remembered that the they were saying that this plutonium was in the millions range. Mm-hmm. So I think we wow. probably had some. That's fairly recent. Well, I mean. A 900 again, million. Yeah. But, okay. Right. But. Uh, um, One of our eras in the past. Yeah. I think I think we probably would have had some life on Earth. That's crazy. At that point. So, so you think it would have just been raining fucking gold? I mean, you wouldn't be able to see it, but <laughs> essentially, in essence, yeah. So, so there would they be like as little particles just from little, an explosion, rocks, and they just fucking. Maybe. Yeah, would I you be able to see them coming into the earth, or just like, igniting? Depending, I think so. Yeah, I mean, it w- it would be akin to a um, to like a meteor shower, probably. Oh, okay. Yeah, if there were like big enough molecules, yeah. Okay, so this wouldn't have taken out life forms, or would it have? Potential. If it was for, okay. Potential. I mean, like, think about the asteroid, right? Like, we were, so the Earth was getting hit by stuff way back when. Oh, yeah, and this could have been, like, some big-ass chunk. Oh, no, it couldn't have. Not if it's supernova. Yeah. Some yeah. big-ass wave. I mean, um, you have to get through the asteroid belt to get to Earth. Maybe that explosion could have probably knocked off a couple of those as well. Because so, uh, would a supernova your... be able to launch something like a fucking massive asteroid that impacts 
and just explodes and then that's how you get some of these elements potentially potentially like especially like okay so like the earth is gonna do its i mean the sun my bad is gonna do its explosion at Mm -hmm. some point in its life uh i could see that sending a couple of the planets out every which way as chunks yeah i could see that i don't think that's too far-fetched okay i'm like thinking of some sort of pangea line for the continents (laughs) and then this shit smashes on and then as as you know the continents spread out that shit gets stuck down at the bottom yeah but then too like yeah you might just have these probably these chunks of just yeah kind of pure plutonium because Mm -hmm. that's right they're all going to get forged in the middle of this star so yeah because that's only where they can be yeah so i would say yeah you'd probably see like a chunk of this just pure plutonium just the fucking hurling mass of yeah i mean that's like, cool. i don't know the size of a baseball i don't know like that'd be pretty so pretty crazy but uh-huh. like probably something like that you just get bombs landing except they're just the whole yeah. elements <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty mad that's yeah. pretty cool yeah and then part of i mean and this probably like if this i don't really know the timeline of how the uh solar system would have kind of kind of looked like how it looks now mm-hmm. but the reason we don't really see a lot of interactions on earth like that now is because of the asteroid belt the asteroid belt kind of catches a lot of those it's our things. buffer, right? Yeah. So, I mean, say, so yeah, the asteroid belt wasn't around back then. You'd probably see a little bit more common, like, pretty big-sized rocks coming into the Earth's atmosphere. Mm. Which is, it's still really crazy considering how, uh, you know, big the universe is. But, you know, we have that big gravitating mass of the sun, right, in our solar system or around it. So mm-hmm. something's bound to get hit. If we were like uh, just doing regular space travel, we could just fly over the belt, right? Yeah, you sh- yeah, it's in one plane. Yeah, you'd okay. be able to. Which is like, it's a peeve, but you know, it still makes for good cinema. Asteroid belts yeah. don't like those things are gonna be way like it's it would no way it would be that having to maneuver around. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, man, no. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. yo, let me take this angle yeah. of approach and then fly yeah. over and be like, "What's up?" Although I think in the movie they went through, and I mean, I don't, I don't to lose a tail or something. Yeah, okay, yeah. I get that more. Yeah, yeah. but like, even still, like it's not going to be that close. Like they're not going to be that close to each other. No, I I would just fly <laughs> above the belt and just wait somebody exit the belt, you know, and then boom, there they are. Yeah, photon I mean, cannons, basically. <laughs> yeah, they make this shit out to be way more difficult than it is. Okay, yeah. space fights, come on. Yeah. <laughs> that's easy business dude <laughs> yeah this was a cool this was a cool but, story but yeah the one too that like this kind of spurred me and i talked about it with you a little bit earlier was pretty much like all of the like rare earth stuff i think we probably referenced it too in like the past episodes that we need for like the electric car batteries and like if we wanted to upgrade the electrical grid um yeah the the deep sea floor is kind of looking like another place to potentially you know harvest some of these some of these materials Mm -hmm. but then obviously right the ethics with that all of the things that you know the can of worms that we could open up by like starting these massive infrastructure projects in the ocean when the ocean is already so vulnerable because of yeah we're we already are doing damage yeah i mean i guess yeah that's that that's the other like you know we've been doing deep sea drilling for how long Mm -hmm. you know if we're going to use this at least to kind of benefit us in the long run yeah. But I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot of arguments to be made. This could be It'll an be... arm of some of those projects. Like, hey, we're just the science division. They're already doing the bad shit. No, that's we're getting that... a plus out of and this. Those are those are fair. Those are fair. But then, like the other people would be like, well, just stop the fucking oil drilling. Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, there's <laughs> it's a weak argument. <laughs> but um, oh, what was I gonna say about the 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 metals and all that stuff? Mm-hmm. Is the reason we need a lot of those because they're such good conductors? Or uh, so that's part of it. Yeah. So like a lot of these materials have 
properties that are really good for those kind of things. Like, yeah, like electrical conductance is absolutely one of those. Um, and then, like, yeah, just other, like, uh, some, like, are only slightly radioactive. They could be used for, like, um, when you do, like, the the MRIs, like, the CAT scans of your body. They kind of mm-hmm. give you, like, iodine to kind of see how it moves right, throughout your right. body kind of stuff. So, yeah, just basically the properties of those of those heavier materials are very useful for, for the applications. Got it. And so, okay. yeah, they're, they're special, essentially. You can't really do the things that you need to do with other materials. It has to be, like, that material. Yeah, I know, like, so, like some are more efficient, efficient as far as heat's concerned, right? Yeah, or or, yeah exactly. Like, they're right, able okay. to kind of regulate the temperatures better and stuff like that. that that's mm-hmm. all. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be... It's interesting. It would be interesting to know, like, what all these components, uh, and I guess it would. I mean, that's why these people are super smart and go to school. But, um, like, yeah, I want to have like at least a, a decent knowledge of like, oh, this is what this material is kind of intended yeah. for, or whatever. Damn. Um, well, I'm yeah, like, yeah, look like, into that for the chips thing. Yeah. Well, oh yeah, for like the semiconductors and stuff, the shortage with all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. we still have that one on the dockets. Yeah, that'd be a good thing to go over. Yeah, oh yeah, that'd be like, why are we? Why is there a shortage? Have a little science primer stuff or something. Can we get a little supply lines? Can we get an asteroid to drop in some new materials? (laughs) (laughs) Right, and that's a that's kind of like like asteroid mining, right? That would be Uh, a potential industry of the future. Yeah, you know, yeah, we talked about this a little bit with uh, last week's episodes or um, the lunar colony stuff. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Where you're just mining for materials. Mm -hmm. Hmm, Interesting. Yeah, because we we would not be able to produce a lot of these ourselves no, yeah, right? yeah we don't have the fucking ability to Unless, concentrate that energy or like you gotta it. go to the like no yeah like you need to basically create like a uh do you remember what like the second spider-man or whatever where he made that little sun in the oh yeah yeah, like Spider-Man you, yeah. Too? amazing like you would need something like that probably to efficiently forge some of these heavier stuff yeah you need such high temperatures and yeah. high levels of energy but you need to even be more powerful right because stars can only do up to iron anything heavier than that like you need those, yeah, supernova explosions. So you need the fucking uh, forge in that Avengers movie. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you need Peter Dinklage being a giant yeah. dwarf to like, uh, to forge some of these materials for our uh, chips. Right, <laughs> that would be that. Would we be need really more cars. I mean, yeah, we have a lot of space Dude. out in space. Yeah, we just set up some sort of uh, forge out by the asteroid belt. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> just fucking pickaxe the asteroids throw the chunks in like some thing to heat them up some elysium type shit you know where they're all they're doing is that we see it from here like look at that big ass ball of fire right there so that's yep you know i'm (laughs) they're making car chips (laughs) up there and then the supply lines the spacex their spacex yeah exactly (laughs) burying the materials to earth Amen. We hey, need you our know cars. What? A, I'm pretty sure there's a sci-fi. I'm gonna have to write that down for a future. It's pretty good. It's a future is, short something. Yeah, some some sort of station out by the asteroid belt. Yeah, mining. That'd be materials. a cool setting. Yeah. Write that one down. I'm gonna have to. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. Um, uh, we also have just some general uh, stories uh, about the ocean. Well, yeah, um, I mean, kind of the one you were on too is still pretty relevant in terms of like harvesting from the ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, like uh, the seashells, right? That's made out of CO2. So harvesting. St- um, carbon out of the ocean to make seashells would be a way to help mitigate some of the carbon um, that's kind of pretty much building up in the atmosphere. Yeah. Right. So yeah. So for what you're referencing, um, so it's this story. This is fastcompany.com. Uh, headline reads: This carbon capture tech removes CO2 from the ocean by making seashells. So the idea here was um, this is already already a naturally occurring process in the ocean where. Yeah. 
these things form and they do extract CO2 from the ocean, you know, which in turn, you know, extracts from just right. the general earth, you know, and you're I, sucking it out secondarily from the, from the air or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because like people call the ocean like a carbon sink and that's true. It's kind of pulling out the carbon from the atmosphere, which is why we have ocean acidification and the temperatures heating up. But I just wanted to make a good point that you had brought up is that I think that's probably our best way of like kind of thinking about things is stuff like processes that are already naturally occurring amplifying those to help kind of dig ourselves out of this hole rather than like creating new things from scratch mm-hmm. one because it's like one why reinvent the wheel but then also b you know we don't like the amount of unintended consequences would be less because these are processes that have already occurred through nature so we're kind of trying to fit into the ecosystem, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we, I think we should, and maybe we do. I don't know, you know, what the extent is, but looking towards already naturally occurring solutions mm-hmm. to problems, like uh, plant more trees. Yeah, easy, exactly. Right? It's like okay, right. if we just overload the fucking everything with trees and all these carbon dioxide <laughs> sucking, you know, yeah, plants, then boom, you're sucking CO2 out. And it's right. it's not any more legwork that we have to do as far as, yeah. okay, we develop the system that does this, you know? I think the only, I mean, that would, like, that should be absolutely taking place. But I think an argument against that being the primary is that that just takes so long. Like, yeah, trees take, like, trees are hundreds, thousands of years old. Actually, that was another really sad story that I heard, too, is that there was a, one of the wildfires knocked out, like, 10% of all the living redwoods. Oh. <sighs> Yeah. Oh, that hurts my heart. Yeah, yeah. that one Far. was super that sad. That sucks. And two, but I mean, like that also can kind of tie to your point a little bit is that we use these trees, like you know, we we kind of amp up logging it a little bit more to mm. like help mitigate forest fires, because when those fires come through, like all that carbon that that just gets tree, yeah, yeah, has been is getting re-released because that tree sucked it up at one point. But if we use those materials in, like, our buildings and stuff, actually, and this is kind of uh, when we went on our trip to Portland, we stopped by, uh, there's, like, a national forestry museum or, like, a forest. Uh, it's kind of, like, around the zoo, around the Japanese gardens. Oh, really? It's a, yeah, it's, it's, like, a little forest. Oh, it's on my uh, old phone. I have the sticker on the back of it. Damn, I should have checked that out. And, uh, I like because we were there. Yeah, a lot of that stuff is kind of at the forefront of, like, kind of how to use wood in different ways to create, like, skyscrapers instead of like metal and stuff like that and creating these like more sturdy buildings and a big argument for that is that we're pretty much we're moving carbon into our buildings as a way of storing it Uh and so like that is also probably that could be you know maybe like five percent of the solution so to speak is like kind of using wood in these new ways and using our buildings as carbon sinks which kind of spoke to what you were talking about earlier too as like making bricks from mm-hmm. like these these kind of things, mm-hmm. like building materials from these like right yeah I don't know like you can can you smash enough seashells together to make like a brick or something that's like efficient for building a a home or something? You sell just sell hell uh, uh, ocean jewelry. Right, yeah, that too. Wear the shit on your neck or whatever. <laughs> no, I was thinking of um, I would never go into a wood skyscraper. <laughs> never man i think uh you know what no so so, so skyscraper might be a misnomer but uh-huh. uh like buildings that maybe like the height of the buildings in san bernardino okay so not like yeah not like mega like empire would, state building you you catch me looking at that thing from far away <laughs> like if this thing catches fire if anyone just decides to take out the bottom two floors <laughs> or whatever oh man that would be so sketch but i i, yeah. I get the point though yeah. i get the point of like okay 
the, this is where the carbon is stored. Yeah. But then you got to deal with decay. Yeah, it's a lot of questions, but I hadn't even considered that angle. Yeah. Of, of you know. And that was that was probably years ago when we took that Portland trip. Uh-huh. I remember like taking a picture of some of the little exhibits that had the explanations. Never looked at them, but. <laughs> it's still cool to see. Yeah. Like okay, these yeah. thoughts. All right, this is what how, how we think of these things, mm-hmm. or like even even uh, like the the CO two collection out here in the atmosphere in the air. Mm-hmm. I was like, how could we make that efficient or or you know, uh, carbon neutral as far as even collecting it and yeah. and uh, fueling the thing that's actually doing the collection. So I mean, they I like an idea that I had would be. Um... I mean, this was this was like right after I graduated. I was kind of looking at some stuff, but it, I mean, it, who knows? Maybe someone hears this and it becomes a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, making graphene. There was oh, a, right. these researchers in Oregon, uh, and this was maybe like what six years ago that I saw this. They pretty much created a method for creating graphene out of carbon dioxide. And so, I mean, part of the problem to that is still well, how do you extract it from the sky? And then concentrate it into like, because you know they have like little CO two pellets for like airsoft guns and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But pretty much like getting CO two concentrated enough where you can create a stream that goes at a certain pressure. Because I think pretty much the gist of the process was they had this oven or this kiln, and they had a constant stream of CO two hitting. I think it was like a pellet of like nickel or zinc or some type of metal. Mm-hmm. And then so so the CO two is hitting it like for a certain amount of time at a really high heat. And then the end of the process, that pellet has decayed into something else. You have to figure out what to do with that. But you also have a layer of graphene that has kind of um, pretty much like built itself mm-hmm. uh, as part of that process. And so that, I was like, oh, well, you know, yeah, we can use all the – like obviously the mountains here create a bowl, and that's why our air quality is really not as good as a lot of other places mm-hmm. because all that car- carbon kind of builds up. I'm like, what if you use that as a quote-unquote uh, natural resource, the carbon dioxide? for that graphene industry that's pretty cool yeah because all i thought of is like giant giant vacuums i think about that yeah but i mean no you'd need that right you would need that you need to collect filter filter it yeah Yeah, you got to filter it that reminds me of uh, the big hero six movie i haven't seen it ah it's it's so good but it's like in san francisco but they have like these kind of almost like telephone like poles things really high in the sky and like Mm -hmm. there's these big blimp looking things and like yeah they kind of reference that those are like yeah the the co2 filters that uh kind of remove that stuff from the atmosphere we need something. Yeah. No. Yeah. That yeah. we need anything at this. We need point. everything. All yeah. the things. Yeah. As many things to be able to yeah, yeah. mitigate the those effects. And I think too. Yeah. Using more solutions than than less is better, right? Just because mm-hmm. oh well, this thing turned out to not work. Well, we still have, you know, ninety percent of yeah, all me, the solutions. Yeah. Like if you want cities to be a thing, you're gonna have to accept some things. Yeah. I'm like, you're gonna need vacuums in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna need a. <laughs> um extra seashells in the ocean you know <laughs> right off the coast you're gonna have to live with a lot of seashells yeah we're gonna make that shit into buildings or how i was talking about earlier with the uh the silkworms for the plastic how yeah, they eat the plastic material oh yeah was that was that in sweden where was that i want to say it was a u.s competition okay. because i remember it was like a like a kind of science fair kind of thing and um one of the projects that won was yeah this 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 young uh, I want to say high school girl mm-hmm. maybe she you she was able to like get like an SUV amount I don't know that's the the fact that stuck out of me it was like a SUV sized amount of plastic was able to decay like or pretty much be eaten a certain amount of time by just like this huge mess of silkworms mm-hmm. and it's like oh okay well that's clearly scalable like you know just I mean there has to be it's going to be a high number, right? But there's a certain number of plastic, like SUVs of plastic in the world. You know, you just get enough silkworms to break those down, and then 
you turn your plastic problem into a silkworm problem, and maybe that's easier to solve. Is that where we get silk from? Uh, silk spiders and silkworms, yeah. So I'm like, I don't know. Do you feed the silkworms to the silk spider? Silk is obviously a more environmentally friendly. I was saying, yeah, just everybody gets to wear silk. We become all these fucking uh, the silk Greeks with all yeah. these togas. Right? And like the, that's the kind of stuff we have to be thinking about. Hey, that's a good point. If, if go. everybody could wear satin or wear silk and have silk sheets and silk everything and you're saving the earth, that's right. kind of cool. Investors, you yeah, know. Yeah, you heard it here. Come on. Get, yeah. There Give us go. some IP credit all. on that shit. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, no. I And now thinking of this, I'm like, what if you just had, instead of releasing all these silkworms, you just have these stations or these centers you get things like the ocean cleanup, like mm-hmm. the interceptors collecting all this plastic. Oh, and then that's where and the then silk you have your it, yeah. yeah, you have your uh, as part of like a fabric. refinery. Yeah, yeah you, like you get the it's yeah. like what it's like um water suit water treatment plants. Oh yeah, they exactly. got bacteria yeah. and then everything goes in there. The bacteria does its thing. Yeah, and then you have cleaner water, right? Mm-hmm. So have some sort of facility like that where you just have a hell of silkworms in this giant ass bucket. <laughs> you drop in all this, and then they're like. Right, and and then, after that, all right, you're becoming silk. I mean, yeah, Move I don't on. know. I don't know if you like feed the silkworms to the silk spiders, get like super silk. I mean, whatever the yeah, process, whatever is. it is. But then you know, we got the silkworms. Yep, we got the silk. We got the clothes. Hey, that would be good. Right. That would be good. Come on, boy, on slot. Get in touch with uh, this high school kid. See if <laughs> anything comes of that. I think what I saw about the Sweden thing was them developing a plastic replacement. Mm. of from some sort of organic material yeah. so i think i'm and i think silk things. is actually like there that's being looked at in a lot of new ways and kind of could be like you know we'll have silk bottles or something like that. I, I don't know mm. but um but yeah like this a lot of like silk has been like been given another look at as a like potential replacement for a lot of the packaging and, and you i know, gotta look at things. silk and see what that those properties of silk are yeah i'm not too familiar right no yeah yeah like, i didn't i was silky. super surprised about that as well huh. I mean, um, I, I guess it's valuable, right? When yeah. you get silk sheets or whatever, yeah. it's more expensive. So, yeah, I wonder what the applications could be there, yeah. depending on the properties of it. Right, yeah, material sciences. Now I'm giving that a second thought. Maybe <laughs> maybe should have went into material sciences. got this other thing, though. This is more just general, the Ocean mm-hmm. Cleanup Project um, and, like, what they're doing. That big-ass, uh, what is it, the Pacific Island? No, Pacific. The Pacific Garbage Patch or something yeah. like that. Like so the size of Texas amount of just garbage floating in our Pacific Ocean. Yeah, I think because of the way the currents flow. Yeah. Like, it just. It collects there. Co- yeah, it collects in this. And yeah, and it's so big at this point that it just starts attaching more. But uh, the issue there, or the biggest issue is the microplastics you get after degradation, right? Yeah. Because it's so hard to get those out of anything, and they're yeah. so, they can be so damaging. Like, I think, too, um, a crazy thing that I remember hearing. So, like, obviously, like, in the 50s, I mean, I'll, I'll give this a primer. So, like, in the 50s, we had all these radioactive tests and everything, right? So we were putting a lot of radioactive isotopes into the into the atmosphere, and obviously that settles onto the dirt. So if you drill into the rock layers, like in, like, un, like the desert or something, right, and you go and you dig into the rock layers you'll see a thin strip of material that's slightly more radioactive than the material around it. And that's, like, attributed to the things that we did, like, mm-hmm. with the nuke the testing and everything. And so a lot of people, a lot of, uh, like, geologists and, like, scientists are saying you'll be able to, in, like, 100 years, you'll be able to do that, and you'll see that there is a plastic layer, basically. Like, you're going to uh. see, like, these microplastics in the rock because they're just so pervasive. They're so tiny. They're everywhere. That you'll be a, we've made our mark 
Like that is our nuclear equivalence testing, like what we've done with plastics. That's crazy. So like maybe you get some ice cores eventually too. Just Yeah. You're gonna see some microplastics. That's nuts. Yeah. That's what we've done to to this place. We left our we left our stamp. (laughs) We left our print. Look back at the record. That was us. Yep, that's that's very true. And yeah, so there's microplastics, you know, gathering in the ocean. And I remember seeing the ocean cleanup project. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing about yeah, still in college, when it was still kind of just these like I don't know, think of like almost a full square of pool noodles, and like that was kind of the thing. So yeah, you know, it's, you were telling me it's gone through a couple iterations, and now they've made like they're doing some really good stuff with like well, yeah, the rivers, uh, you know, the rivers that do lead to the pollution. Yeah, I think Boyan Slab was 16 or so, 16 or 17 when mm-hmm. maybe even before then developing it, like the Probably idea. had it on his mind. Exactly. How we're talking about silkworms and stuff. Yeah, and then at 16, 17 is when he had, uh, I guess the, the company was founded and they started actually getting Doing to work on the thing. Yeah, yeah so they, they've they been doing it for quite some time now. I think he's like 21, 22, early 20s, still yeah. super young. Yeah. It takes these people to be like, "Hey, I'll 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 try to fix this problem or whatever, right?" right. Um, but yeah, so the the initial idea for the project is to to clean up that that uh, garbage, garbage patch. patch. Yeah. Um, but like as they've gone through their f- uh, few ver- first few versions of, um, I forget what the name of the 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 vessels are to to lead that project. But while they went back to the drawing board, uh, trying to refine that design and make it uh, more functional for that big ass patch. Um, they have uh, they use the existing technology of their designs for these other uh, vessels called interceptors that they're putting on um, on rivers mm-hmm. to collect the those plastics and all that pollution before it gets to the ocean. So it's like it's like a, one of those things that you sort of mentioned earlier. It's like okay, uh, it, turn the problem into a slightly different problem yeah. that you can have a solution for. Yeah, but then even that, that's a good solution too because it's like, well, you're trying to clean up something, mm-hmm. but the source is still giving you a problem. Yeah, right. You have to, let's first stop the patch from getting bigger mm-hmm. and then try to clean it up as opposed to cleaning it up while it's still, yeah, you know, I the guess, sources are still kind of coming in. Right, I guess change the question you're asking. Yeah. Or, or whatever. Look at it, yeah, different, yeah. slightly different angle. Maybe a skewed perspective, you know. <laughs> hey, roll credits. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's super cool because you see him putting these, um, like in, what's that one, that river in India? That's the just, Ganges? Um, uh, sure, whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forget I, which one it is. I, it, it might be that one. But one of the ones that runs through, like, uh, the capital, that, that, the one you kind of always associate with overpopulation and then just river or just trash floating down the river. Yeah. You know, just brown waters and all this stuff. I want to say, I want to say Ganges. Cause I know that that, I remember hearing a lot of stories about that. Like it was like a really sacred, important river. And then it now it's just polluted. To yeah. Shit. People used to fucking uh, bathe in it. Right. Yeah. Let me see. All right. So let's see. I'm, I'm going to say Ganges, but I know there's a couple big rivers, uh, you know, in that area of the world that are really important. And yeah. They, they do, they do contribute to like a huge percentage of the pop or the of the ocean pollution, and so that's why you know that's a good. You're right, good the river. Ganges. Yeah. Okay. The Ganga. Ganga River. Yeah. Okay. Wow, that's that's crazy. The Ganges under British rule. It's crazy how the British just freaking still have their tentacles in some parts of the world. I don't think it's under British rule. It was known as the Ganges yeah. when oh, it was oh, under British so, rule. Oh, so the Ganges is the British name for it. Yeah, that's what it was known by. Yeah. Oh, so now it'd be the Ganja. Or yeah. Ganga, La Ganga, we. <laughs> Ganga River, whatever, whatever, however you pronounce yeah. it, that's what it is. 
Um, okay. Yeah, it provides water for nearly half a billion people. Holy shit. Yeah, that's insane. Well, I mean, they got yeah. crazy numbers. Look at these pictures. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, so he's out there trying to put these interceptors like yeah. in rivers like these. And so then we'll buy the plastic from him to feed to the silkworms. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or maybe we'll just be like, hey, we'll take it off your hands for free. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, they're like uh, those sunglasses I mentioned to you. They're made with all plastics from mm. from uh, the ones that they've uh, broken down oh, and recycled. Yeah. yeah. So they and they don't. I mean, let me see if he, they have them on the fucking. But then, too, part of the part of the problem too. I know, and this was kind of. Oh, okay. All right. The first product made with that plastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, so they got some sunnies out here. Oh, that's damn. I mean, I guess you're not really paying for the sunglasses. You're paying for the for yeah the removal of plastic from the ocean yeah and for like funding yeah. the ocean cleanup yeah yeah so it's 200 dollars for this pair of glasses but it's much more than just a pair of glasses yeah exactly You're, it's the idea behind them yes yes. and they, they look pretty cool i yeah. mean they're blue you know they, they kind of tie it to the to the theme of their thing um they're a little dorky but i mean you can only expect it when it says the ocean cleanup on it you know yeah. so right you know you know somebody asked you like where the where'd you get those and you know you can go into the whole spiel and you know you seem like yeah a really look good like if you're a surfer they look perfect. <laughs> they look really good on a surfer person. <laughs> You're already in the ocean or by the ocean. But I know, uh, yeah, part of the problem, though, too, with, like, recycling a lot of these plastics is that just the quality of the plastic after, like, being hit by the UV rays mm-hmm. and the water and the ocean and the breakdown, it's not as a – you need – like, it doesn't really – it's not conducive to being, like, another really good product. So you need, like, either a, a bunch of it or some of it just isn't recyclable. Yeah, you, you use the right types. And um, yeah. it's a big part of like uh, their collection. Yeah. Like when they're when they're collecting the plastics, they're like, okay, we need to be able to sort these, like to be able yeah. to use them after. Yeah, the and that's yeah, that's that's. I mean, this Dude. is kind of related to what I was saying earlier. Like the plastic industry knew that, like mm-hmm. when they built these products, and they still marketed all their recycling stuff to us, and they're still doing that now, and we're still falling for it. Well, there's like I think there's like a number, like seven or eight types of different plastics. Yeah. Right. Like mm-hmm. categorizations. Yeah. So, yeah, it's important that you're using it for the right thing. Otherwise, yeah, what's the point? You just have – you're still trash. You know, yeah. it's still like okay. – Yeah. So, it's like, yeah, you like – so – and that's part of the reason too. Like, yeah, like recycling all the different kind of plastics is crazy. And like that soup – that little uh, – the arrow triangles that are on the bottom of the bottles, that was like a super controversial thing at the time. The uh, plastic industry was like, let's just put that on the stamp on the bottom of everything. And everyone will think it's fine. You know, everyone thinks it goes in the same bin. And that's that was also part. I of I remember it. when I learned that too. I was yeah. like, "Oh shit!" I'm like, I'm very hesitant to use the word conspiracy with things, but th- I think you know what the plastic industry did to us is. It can be. It's misleading. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a problem. It's a similar thing to what I associate with the sugar industry. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's absolutely. like oh, you guys, you played us all. Yeah, exactly. They played us. That's what it is. I'm like, you fucks. <laughs> That's yeah. That's the plastic industry. Con people, yeah, exactly for their own gain, of course. That's how it usually goes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like we we got people like this out there doing this type of stuff. Yeah. So, so at I, least that's good news. You know, because of all the actual damage we're doing, I haven't spoken too much about the damage we actually do to the ocean, but like just like overfishing. Oh um, yeah, just in general, like yeah, like the stuff, right? And then you know the coral. I mean, even like, uh, like we have like our direct things like overfishing. And then we have the more, like, global uh, emissions and all that. Like, that is also something we do to the oceans. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, it uh, kind of goes through, like, right? We put the CO2 in the air, and then the air gets sucked up by the oceans. Like, we did that. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, we feel like we're kind of removed from that process. 
Yeah. Some of these things, like, yeah, the overfishing is like we're directly doing that. Mm-hmm. So we're just, we're fucking the oceans on all fronts. Yeah. It, it, we're treating it like we're just vampiring it. You yeah. Know? We're just, <laughs> give me what I need. Yeah. And then here, Basically. like, and then even worse because we're taking from it and then putting, replacing what we're taking with garbage. Have some CO2. Literal garbage. Yeah. Seriously. Here's our fucking, uh, literally where our toilet drains. Yeah. To the fucking ocean. That's <laughs> fucked up. Could you imagine if it was flipped? Or if, you know, if, like, uh, how I think, like, dolphins, like, they, they have a pretty structured society, I think. There's yeah. something going on mm-hmm. where they're, like, they're, they're literally just dumping <laughs> shit into where yeah. we live, you know? Like, I'd be kind of pissed. Oh, yeah, and I think something <laughs> it'd be nice if there was some ocean advocacy uh, on on part of them, right, to call us out on our stuff, but... Yeah, like, yeah. if... Like if, uh, if Give it they, a couple million years, maybe. Dude, if, but. yeah, if... Um, if octopuses could talk, they'd yeah. be the fucking you're like heads of state for fucking ocean representatives or whatever. They're like, all right, hold on, let me let me have my third brain talk right. about this. <laughs> I wonder if there's like a Rick and Morty type sitcom with that, like humans having to go to like this underground UN where like the dolphins are there, the the, the octopuses are there, whatever other sentient ocean creatures. <laughs> Well, uh, kind of connecting to some of the MDMA stuff, uh, MDMA stuff I mentioned, and we'll get to in a bit. But um, there, I guess they ran these experiments because I think the common ancestor between octopuses and humans is something like fifteen millions, mm-hmm. fifteen million years. I think that's what I heard. Yeah, you can go back far enough to find it. But yeah. Right, right, and um, and and the thing that you can see now though is that uh, they still have serotonin receptors. Mm. Um, octopuses do. Yeah. So, so they put, they ran this experiment where they had an octopus in a container, right? And then two exit doors of a, like, it was a larger container with, I guess, three sections or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they had, um, uh, MDMA molecules in one and nothing in the other. And then they unlocked those little doors. And then the, the octopus was just like, let me go over here to the, to the MDMA area. And I think there was another, there was either a couple octopuses or something. And then they were just like kind of touching each other. Oh, I think I, I remember in the sense that octopuses are very independent. Like they don't like other octopuses. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. they they do their own thing. So the fact that they were able to like be these two that were like interacting with each other mm-hmm. was big because that is super abnormal. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like oh shit. So this is doing things deep in fucking whatever the brain, brain circuitry yeah. is. Yeah, um, and there's a connection there between humans and octopuses. And oh, I just thought it was brilliant. I'm like yeah. holy shit, this is amazing. Yeah, and like right, if you're thinking about advanced brains and like the reaction, oh, well, there's there's something absolutely. There. Why did they still hold on to this? Yeah. You know, serotonin in the brain must be such a like a, a fundamentally yes. more fundamental to life than we initially. Thought. Yeah, or at the very least, like a such a a potent good feeling. Yeah, you know, like where it's like, oh, let's not get rid of this evolutionarily. <laughs> Whenever this comes around, it's amazing. You yeah. know, that's that, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, but yeah, just kind of leading further into that MDMA stuff um, is um, the maps. Uh, what are they? What the is maps institute, I think, or the uh, the multidisciplinary the... shit drug. Multiple. You got it. You got MDMA. Oh, no, wait, no maps. Maps is the acronym, right? So oh, here we go. Here we multidisciplinary go. Association for Psychedelic Studies maps um yeah so they i think this was two days ago very recently um they got uh the results for like the stage three trial um and they're like very deep into this thing where they want to get mdma uh therapy for um for like p 
people with PTSD, you know, think about wounded veterans and people that have experienced genocide or just, you know, crazy traumatic experiences. Um, so they're really close to getting this FDA approval to have this be a thing, which would be huge. It'd be massive. You know, ever since uh, I think it was 76 or somewhere in the 70s, like yeah. they they just blanket banned a lot of these psychedelic substances, which has kind of hamstrung and just handicapped like all this research into these into these uh, substances and different psychedelics that I think would offer people a lot of uh, relief. And as I as I kind of always get back to like a, it would offer us a different tool. Yeah for um solving emotional human problems you know yeah. that otherwise would be extremely difficult or impossible yeah because right how are you like because pretty much all of those things need to be resolved within that person yes so you need to give them these just these super intimate like experiences to be able to have that breakthrough yeah you got to have these trips and yeah like it brings that trauma to the forefront and you and you i've kind of have this a little bit with uh, edible weed like mm-hmm. if you're doing high doses it kind of forces you to look at things yeah that's yeah i mean and just a, yeah my own personal experiences i can speak to that too is like right you you look at these things that have happened in your life and mm-hmm. you process them in these new ways yeah like or ha- process them period yeah oh yeah yeah like exactly like maybe it's something that you absolutely like you know you kind of just keep down there you don't think about it you know you kind of just bury it which obviously it's, you know eventually leads to a lot of these PTSD. Um, yeah, depression, like these kind of human problems that we have. And so, yeah, you know, just being able to look at it at, you know, exactly for the first time or in a different way, you know, your brain can begin to deal with it mm-hmm. in in ways that are healthy. And allow you to move forward. Yeah. Because, yeah, like you're saying, oftentimes it gets buried. It doesn't get addressed. And I think that's I, – I, it's pretty evident that, like – if you have trauma that you're not acknowledging or you're bearing, it's not good for the psyche and for yeah. your mentals. So allowing and and like this level of trauma, mm-hmm. you know, blown limbs, dead friends, right? Like family like members, your entire society, like being brought to its knees for a you know something. for no apparent reason. Yeah, you know what a, a hatred of of the other side for X amount of reasons. Yeah, you know, so having MDMA be because uh, you were kind of you were relief. telling me a lot of the work that they were doing worldwide. Mm-hmm. And, like, I didn't even – because, yeah, because here, obviously, in the U.S., you can't do those studies. But obviously, like, you know, well, you'd think, oh, it can happen in the U.S. It can't happen anywhere. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case with MAPS. So that was really cool when you were telling me about that. Yeah, and they have, like, they, they have done their studies in the U.S. Like, all these mm-hmm. – the state tree is U.S. Um, is in the U.S. and But all this had to be done after, like, fucking – cutting red tape and like yeah you know it's just so much harder hiring yet yeah, teams of lawyers and consulting places to to walk whatever this you know Fine super convoluted line, yeah. path is yeah and um and they've gotten to this point though where where they're right on the doorstep of having this be a thing mm-hmm. but having also like i respect the organization so much because of like the approach they take to the thing to things yeah. and there's a lot of nitty-gritty they get into in in the rogan podcast um, even as far as like uh, the logistics of not having people profit off of this. Yeah. Um, so it's brilliant. But yeah, like they have like uh, part of their trials in Canada, in Israel, um, the whole Palestine, Israel, especially right now. It's like yeah. kind of back in the in the in the limelight. Like those those situations are so fucked up that if you can offer relief with MDMA and allow allow these civilizations, these yeah. groups to move forward. You I know, would say it's, it's humane to not. 
if you know that you can exactly and you know that it's effective because i mean like yeah what does the study that we want to reference here Mm. um yeah i'll just read those numbers real quick so the trial involved 90 participants with chronic ptsd it demonstrated that 88 percent of participants who received um either of three controlled and supervised mdma assisted therapy sessions experienced a clinically significant reduction in symptoms with uh, 67% no longer uh, having uh, any PTSD diagnosis, essentially, uh, compared to 32% who rese- received the randomized placebo. Yeah. So... It's like, that's really good. Yeah, a 67% numbers. like no PTSD. And I think I think uh, Rick Doblin, who's, uh, I guess, one of the leads for MAPS or the founder, was saying if they were to continue like uh, these deep work sessions where they have mm-hmm. these trips... I mean, theoretically, um, and they're, they're, I think they do say there's a point of diminishing returns with MDMA trips, but like it varies human to human. And he's like, it took me like 50 times, you know, to not feel the same thing that I felt originally. Yeah. So there is that. But theoretically, if a couple more sessions, you could probably bump those numbers up, mm-hmm. you know, like 75 or whatever. I'm like, yeah. that's, I mean, 67% already is it's, incredible. It's, like, yeah. Like to be able to say, well, you have a 60%, 67% chance of being able to move on from this really traumatic thing. Yeah. Like 10 out of 10 people. With four be. MDMA trips. Yeah. Like one, you got your shaman guiding you to have a good right? trip. You and will absolutely have people that will line up for that. And I think too, you know, especially with the right framing, like, I think this can be very easy to do politically, you know, like, you know, the vets. Dude, right? yeah, absolutely. Like, right? he also mentioned, uh, he mentioned um, Dan Crenshaw from Texas. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a fan of his. I, I like him. He's a Republican, but um, very reasonable, very receptive to, like, a bunch of ideas. No, yeah, I mean, there's those, you know, Chad Mays is my main guy out here in uh, 29 Palms, Palm Desert area. Mm-hmm. He's, he's also a Republican like that. Right, and they just, I like the way they think. You know, yeah. they're problem solvers. Um, but like he has Marine friends Mm -hmm. who told him stories about maps and like all these good experiences that they're having. So then he's like, Oh, so now he's a board. Exactly. And he's working. There was another, uh, Democrat that, uh, Doblin mentioned, um, who I think is a little more left leaning, but either way, like, okay, he had this other Congressman who's a Democrat and they're working on policy. Yeah. Yeah, They're working on policy, working on something like about like, and ironically over MDMA is the one thing that could bring so far apart together. Yeah. That just goes to show like you can find some common ground. Like, okay, everybody, I mean, if you don't care about wounded vets, what do you, you know, you you are very, you're, you're in the fringe. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You're one of the, like, ah, okay. Um, yeah, that's something everybody should be able to get behind, you know, mm. like, okay, these people, you know, have gone through these experiences, yeah. you know, for some, like trying to live to a higher yeah. ideal generally. And then too, you know, you just add on to that. They've lived through these experiences that their government put them into. Exactly. And then their government is going to be the ones right now that is really preventing them from getting the treatment that would help them resolve that. Yeah. So this could be big, like, and that's just this, like I said before uh, the spearhead Mm -hmm. you know that's that's what allows them to knock these doors down and and and, and open them i mean because there's still you know to like the the psilocybin and like other of these you know kind of Mm -hmm. you know historically like prohibited drugs that could do all this my main worry would be creating a delineation though between like the pharmaceutical industries because once you legalize that they're going to start messing with things and you know we've already seen what happened with you know the oxycontin and all that stuff so you what know, is, I, yeah. Like, so I was just gonna say, pretty much that you know, whenever this does kind of you know go through the government and becomes more legalized, putting in those safeguards 
which is I think something that you had kind of just mentioned too, like to keeping people from profiting off of it. Yeah, he um, it's super like a, a super creative uh, approach they took to it. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I, one of the consulting firms they hired was for this purpose. Okay, how do we create a patent that's kind of like an anti-patent? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we not have only one company patent will, this technology yeah. and be able to profit off it? So instead of having um, a patent for it, it's, I forget, it's a, I, I don't remember the terminology, um, but essentially it's a five-year period where um, they have the rights to the data. No, they have the rights to, to, uh, to manufacture um, because of the data and, uh, and the studies they did. It's it's very complicated, but it, it, like the the way he was explaining made sense to me. I'm like, okay, it, it like the five year thing exclusivity seems like a a drawback, but what you get once that's gone is like it's basically yeah. like uh anyone can you know yeah so long as they're following these certain things anybody can like if they're using it for therapy yeah it's it's because I, I know there's like there's similar kind of timelines in in uh, the pharmaceutical industry as it is now. I think like if a drug is like deemed like this is like too important for you to be the only one doing it it's like yeah they have like a fixed amount i don't know i literally don't know the amount of time like maybe with two years a couple months or whatever of Mm -hmm. um like you can be the only ones to do this but then after that you kind of got to release the recipe Mm -hmm. so to speak so that other drug manufacturers can make it because it's so useful for like everybody pretty much like like some type of like uh, medicine for like you know whatever disease Mm -hmm. yeah the concept in general i think was they wanted to maxim- maximize good for the public yeah. versus maximizing the profit, and and this was one. This was the avenue to to Do that make that most happen effectively. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Give it a listen because he, like I said, he gets into the logistics and the implementation of all these things that mm-hmm. you don't think of oh, until you good. sit down yeah. and think about it. Yeah, it's super organized, and I think that that's the approach you have to take if you want to legalize all drugs. Yeah, and like, I mean, yeah, kind of how you're talking about just the red tape that needs to be navigated. You have to. Have all of that structure already implemented. Yeah, you have to play within the system that you're trying yeah. to, you know, change. You or know, hopefully, we get to see the, you know, I'm pretty sure, like, if if this were to become a thing, there'd for sure be like a congressional hearing, you know, right, with everyone questioning the uh, this the Doblins or whoever is Rick at the Doblin. head of yeah, whoever's at the head of Maps, right? Like, they're gonna be asked the questions by the Senate committees, mm-hmm. and you know, hopefully, we get to see that in our in our life. Definitely. Now. Oh man, he's very eloquent. He you know mm-hmm. he's lays out his points very well but also I, they've already started doing some of that like mm-hmm. i said they went to they appealed certain things with the fda and had like oh these, but that wasn't like yeah you're talking about court cases right like they mm-hmm. were yeah okay yeah like appealing certain decisions and things that they've done and and i guess not completely about the same thing but uh like getting rid of the monopoly uh, that there was on um on weed oh being yeah provided for studies you know up until this point or i forget what year when it ended um, it was just the University of Michigan, I think. Yeah, because yeah, the government had done study on marijuana. Like they they had the only problem, the drawback is yeah, it had to come from this one university. The THC content was like Pathetic. stupid low, like not comparable at all to what we can go down the street and get right now. So it's like, well, what is the efficacy of these studies that you're doing? If like what you're testing isn't even the quality of your materials, yeah, yeah, to what's already being used right so now. that's big in yeah. and of, of, of itself yeah, so yeah so maps was able to end that through mm-hmm. like lawsuits and litigation yeah so they like uh, a big fan and 
I had heard of them a while back, mm-hmm. but I haven't I hadn't actually gone through their website and like yeah, gave them that stuff. second look. Yeah, exactly. I had just heard him speak, and I'm just like, ah, oh, yes, I'm about this. So I bought like the T-shirt they put out. <laughs> I'm like, mm, let's do it. You know, support. They're doing amazing work. Phase three clinical trials, and they're globalizing. They're wanting this to be yeah. a global thing. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of trauma everywhere in the world, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Especially like we mentioned before, all these places that have been at war forever, or you know, genocide, whatever, right. whatever, whatever deep issue that they've had. Let's you just know. release MDMA out into the atmosphere. And Dude, if we had all our politicians have like a <laughs> yes. mushroom trip or. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, I kind of, I remember having that thought too with like every politician. Like if you just kind of sent them out into space, let them kind of just go around the world. I feel like that would be also as big of a, a thing too. There's something, there's something MDMA to. MDMA would probably be a little cheaper and easier though to. <laughs> oh he was talking about like their suppliers that yeah. was fascinating to listen to as well but um yeah i think if you if you there was some there's something to like ritualistic initiation mm-hmm. like in certain organizations and i think if there's some sort of like this is where i would like to get to it's, it seems way like a fucking far away dream I know if you get elected you got to go on this trip or something yeah if you get elected and if you're a, le- a representative for people and you're you know you're a head of government a head of state on this big planet, you know, trying to survive, I think you need to have some sort of psychedelic experience, good sir. I mean, like, that would be interesting like, in, in good faith because then I can also see, like, the dystopian view of it. Oh, yeah, you know, the people elect their representative, and then we do all of our brain voodoo on the representative to get them thinking, like, how we want them to think, and then you go from there. That's, that, yeah, right? that's, that's an that's, argument, that's sure. That's the flip side of that. But I, but I mean, say, like, no, but, like, but if we're like, okay, mm-hmm. uh, uh, five grams of psilocybin, yeah. And you're like, boom, you run it through the fucking tester, all psilocybin. I'm okay with, yeah, no, yeah, like, with yeah, okay, absolutely. no one's programming you <laughs> with, the, you know, you in, in, in taking this into your right. body. And this you're is not, you're you. Not a chip. This is just you and psilocybin. It's yeah. like, what do you bring out on this journey? Yeah. And if it goes well or whatever, right. like at the very least, so much of the psychedelics is dissolution of ego. Yeah. Like, yeah. all right, perfect. Get, get through that barrier. And I know you're not a fuckhead, you know. <laughs> then right. we're yeah. good. I, I feel like it would be a much better approach and just uh, perspective shifting. No, yeah, absolutely. Like like in, in concept, in theory, like I would absolutely yeah, but before whenever, that. I mean, would, I mean, it's possible that we have we had gone up up to that point in the past. I do think yeah. that, like, um, especially with the... Like if you want to think about maybe like indigenous cultures or something, right? Like the chiefs, you know? Exactly. Like kind of... yeah, who are the heads of community? Yeah. It's these guys, and they have all, like, ayahuasca and all these things that are a ritual yeah and then you have things like uh catholicism and how that you know spread they i i do think they were using psychedelics um the catholic church yeah 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 maybe Hmm. initially not with good intentions but like i mentioned i don't know if i mentioned it to you like the uh, i forget his name and the book's name but he found psychedelic substances in um, mixed with wine in a lot of these chalices. Oh wow! Which is uh, yeah, to le- like evidence pointing to uh, ritualistic use of psychedelics mm-hmm. um, at all these sort of uh, ceremonies, you know. Mm-hmm. And so if if that was a thing in the That's past, I gotta find the book and I send do it ha- to you. Do, do you happen to remember if that was like the Catholic Church that kind of happened in the Americas, or like that was even the this Vatican, is this Rome. is this is Europe? Yeah, this okay. is Rome. This oh, is okay. interesting old school times, um, and they found it on like different uh, pottery. I forget what they were called. They're like these big bowls that have like insignias and like patterns on the side. Yeah, 
And a lot of them had uh, unifying themes and then had trace substances of that psychedelic stuff. I got to find the fucking name of because I've been yeah. referencing this for, for some time now. And I haven't read the book, but uh, I listened to a podcast with him on. And he's this guy is like a writer and a journalist, not anyone who's like a biased towards the substances. Yeah. So I'm like, uh, he's like, I want to wait yeah. before like to have credibility amongst the critics who would be like, this is why he's presenting this evidence. Yeah. But he's a scholar, you mm-hmm. know, and he's. And yeah, late. you know, that should be the approach that, you know, that scientific model mm-hmm. approach to it. That's, that's great. Yeah. So I'll find that info, send it to you. And uh, we'll bring it up on the podcast so people yeah. can check it out. But I, I think we've been at different points in humanity, civilization. Yeah. At in that was, across yeah, the world where more, psychedelics have yeah, been accepted and in utilized. society. Exactly. Yeah. As a tool. So I just thought that was a really cool story. Um, and we, I guess we could leave it there. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, you know it's pretty heavy. We went all over the place. All over the place. Yeah, I remember we we started. The, we're gonna talk about oceans and we started with oceans NBA. and more. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we started. Yeah. <laughs> Don't even tell the fucking right? sports. But I mean, uh, we said the show wasn't gonna change too much. You know. Yeah, we like, always have that Laker talk. It, yeah, you have to. Um, yeah, good episode this week. Thanks for listening. Anything else to plug? Um, not that I could think of right now. Okay. The. Next episode, or uh, the last episode is live now. It doesn't matter, I guess, whenever you're listening to this. Yeah. Um, but check us out at ieaudiolab.com. And then email for the show is ieaudiolab at gmail.com. I am milkfat percent on Twitter. Give me a follow. I am OAP double underscore three on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Thanks for listening. See you guys next time.